Welcome to the Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. My name is David Lally. I produce the show. And today we're going to do something a little different than we usually do. We're going to talk about the topics of love and marriage with none other than Brian and Beverly Buffini. Guys, we've been asked for many years to do this interview, and I'd like to thank you both for taking the time to do it. We've got lots and lots to cover. Love to dive in. First off, how did you two meet? 30 years ago. Beverly was on the U.S. national volleyball team preparing for the 88 Olympics. And I was a recent immigrant who got run over by a car. Hmm. And I had my leg in a cast. And the house I was renting a room in, the guy who owned the house was best friends with the chaplain of the U.S. Olympic team. So they would have a Bible study there on a Friday night. And I was kind of stuck there, <laughs> my leg in a cast, nowhere to go. So in comes... Uh, the the Olympic team and the, I was love at first sight for me the day I met her. Wow, her not so much, but I was just smitten with her by day one, and it, it was actually the first conversation. It wasn't love at first sight. It was once I got a sense of who she was. Right, she was just a very deep person. She would say, "How are you doing?" and I'd give her a line of Larney, "You know, how are you doing?" That? and she'd say, "No, how are you really doing?" and I would be like, meh, meh, meh. "Ouch," and I wouldn't know what to say. So that was in 1986. And so as I recovered from my motorcycle injuries and so on and so forth, mm. she was traveling a lot with the U.S. Olympic team. I mean, gone all the time. And so our paths would meet now and again, back and forward. And then uh, 1988, once the Olympics was over, we kind of reconnected. And then we started seeing each other in 89. Hmm. And David, hello. I'd like How to just you? mention something I think Brian often forgets about our first meetings, but... In the very beginning, I did go to the Bible study that was at his house, and I didn't know him that well, and I would always walk up to him, like he said, and I said, how are you doing? And because I was at this point, he doesn't know this, but I was just very interested in getting to know him a little bit better, just saw him around the house. And one day, his brother, John, invited me over to his home for spaghetti. Mm -hmm. And unbeknownst to me, he invited Brian also. Brian didn't know I was going to be there either. And so I was sitting there with John, talking with John, and Brian comes in the door. And in these days, he was a painter. He was painting still, as you all know that. Mm -hmm. He was a painter. And he <laughs> came in the door in overalls. He was unshaven, and immediately he ran past John and me, and he ran into the bathroom, and I'm like, what's going on here? And John later told me that he found Brian in the bathroom, unshaven, talcum powder all over him, <laughs> trying to make himself presentable to this girl that I guess he was very interested in wow. at the time. Oh. Talcum powder, the key to success. <laughs> <laughs> this is a new story. Yeah, it is. I yeah. definitely. I hadn't thought about shares. that. Yes. Wow. Yeah. I was going to ask you, and this is maybe the perfect opener for that. What was he like back then? What was Brian Buffini like back then? You know, of course, he was painter, so he was a very hard worker. He and his brother Gary um, went from job to job. He painted residential homes, commercial homes. So. I worked as part of the Olympic Jobs Opportunity Program in a business in La Jolla, California, and he happened to actually have a job near that. So oh, yeah. at that time, he would p 
pop by and see me quite mm-hmm. often mm-hmm. in the middle of the day in his overalls. And I've got to tell you, I was raised in a military family, and I love uniforms. Um, <laughs> so I consider those overalls a uniform. Whatever it takes, babe. So whatever, those... whatever worked for you, that's great. <laughs> I'm glad when, that happened. When those overalls came into that door, I was mm. very... Um, impressed and surprised as always but he was a hard worker he often made me laugh as he does now to you i can remember when we went to a wedding of a dear friend of ours and this was before we were even dating or courting at that time and they asked him to give a speech and he just took over and Mm -hmm. That was the first time that I had witnessed him in action with this great gift that we've all had opportunity to experience at that time. And he just honored the parents, honored the bride, and it was just seamless and with great comedy. And and then that's just the person he was. We had a lot of laughs in those days. Hardworking, but very humorous and very Irish. Yes, (laughs) I bet. Wow. 30 years ago almost, uh, an interracial couple was rarer at that time. Mm -hmm. Did you guys experience difficulties because of that? Uh, Well, again, it's all a matter of perspective. It was a much rarer thing then, and it was less than 2% of the couples in the country at the time. But of interracial couples, only 2% of interracial couples was when the guy was white. Wow. So it was a very rare thing. I hadn't grown up with many African-Americans, our exposure to people of color in Ireland, as you would know, at that time, Dublin in the 80s. I was considered black Irish because I had black hair. It was interesting, though, is I was fascinated. My mother, when I was a kid, started me on Wilbur Smith books, a famous South African novelist. And I was fascinated with all things Africa. And unbeknownst to me, Beverly was fascinated with, like, masterpiece theater and any old Irish, old English stuff. So she was into that. I was into the whole African thing. My favorite actor was Sidney Poitier. And so it was kind of strange, you know, in that regard. So when we met, the thing about it is, and this is why we're not a great spokesperson for racial relations or this and anything, we just fell in love with each other's spirit. And who she was as a person was what struck me. And so we really never really had that. Beverly has a different take on it because she grew up on an Air Force base Mm -hmm. where the races were far more integrated and far ahead of their time. But we had some goofy stuff. I mean, the early days, I mean, I remember we went down to Alabama. You know, I did the Guess Who's Coming to Dinner trip, and I went down to Georgia, and I've told some funny stories about that at our live events over the years, you know, going to the... African Methodist Episcopal Church and being the the lone snowflake in the building and the whole thing. (laughs) But, you know, I remember we were in Alabama one time. She was going to a reunion of her volleyball team because she was two years in Alabama, two years in Tennessee. And a guy wouldn't serve her. We were in a roadside restaurant. So I ordered two drinks. Two, you remember that deal? I I ordered two entrees. I gave the guy a tip, you know. Gosh. On the way out the door, I had a word for him. I just said, hey, just so you know, we don't take any offense in that. I just feel bad for you. And you won't always feel this way. And then we went on our way. Oh, gosh. Uh, one time when I was in real estate, I had a listing for a doctor in La Jolla, a million-dollar listing. And he loved me. He thought I was the greatest thing since sliced bread. And he came in one time and saw I had a portrait of Beverly behind me. And I could tell his eyes, he could never take his eyes out the picture. And uh, we were in the middle of negotiations. The negotiations didn't work out. And the next day he calls me up and cancels the listing. And I was like, and I knew it was something connected to him. No. We had a guy from the South one time who was uh, 
he was an electrician, and I had done a bunch of work for this guy. I bought him a lot of investment properties. So to thank me, he said, I want to take you and your wife to dinner, and y'all going to meet me at Tom Ham's restaurant. So we are there, and Beverly had been working at the Olympic Job Opportunities at Wells Fargo Bank. Mm-hmm. And so she came from work, and I'm standing there with this guy. He's just a good old boy, and I'm standing next to him with his wife, and Beverly pulls up in her little blue Honda Civic, and she gets out of the car, and I go, here's Beverly now. And he goes, you got to be kidding me. No, he did not. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. He was shook, but he was a good old boy. And you know what? We sat down. Here's what I will tell you. We didn't take offense with any of that no. stuff. Huh. And that guy had dinner. It might have been the first time he had dinner with an African-American in his life. Here's the thing. When we left, he gave her a big old hug. His <laughs> wife gave her a big old hug because yeah. we just are who we are. Mm-hmm. So. Now, I will tell you those types of things, that's 26 years ago, that stuff. Yeah. I would say this, and you can speak to whatever you want to. We don't go looking for it. Right. And never have. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that stuff doesn't exist. It doesn't mean that's not a serious problem in other parts of the country. There's certainly people who've experienced a lot more difficult situations than we have. We live in Southern California. And it doesn't mean it doesn't exist here either. But I will say, for our sake, we don't go looking for it. Right. Right. We don't go looking for problems. We don't go looking for an offense so we can feel justified in a certain level of behavior or victim or whatever else. It's just, boom. I love that approach. I love it. So you guys haven't let it affect you, or do you think it has has affected you? Oh, you know, Brian did mention that. I was brought up in a culture where you didn't really see color. Mm -hmm. So we didn't go into our relationship looking at that. It was always presented to us. And the biggest question we received was, what about your children? Mm-hmm. And our answer was, what about our children? Same They're right. going to be beautiful. Right. They're whatever they are. If one is lighter, darker, yep. it doesn't matter. We got about that from our people children. at church, right? It was at church. It was oh, everywhere. Yeah. But I think what we can take from this and and what people are asking is, what about your differences? Mm. That's the bigger question. Mm. I mean, we're going from single to married. That affects Mm -hmm. everyone. Okay, we're trying to blend two lives together from a different culture. I'm from the South. He's from Ireland. He is white. I'm black. You know, it's more than color Mm -hmm. getting married. But it's a a mindset too, though, babe. Like an example would be, you know, all our kids, thank mm-hmm. God, have her athleticism <laughs> and uh, mine mean spiritedness. So right. together, that makes for a pretty competitive family. So AJ, I remember we had a soccer league. We lived out in the country for a season or two. So we're playing the soccer tournament. You remember this? Mm-hmm. And he is like scoring goal after goal after goal after goal. So finally, they, they make a rule that he can't come across the halfway line. Right. So then he shoots from the halfway line and scores. So then they said, no, you got to be in the goalkeeper. So he shoots as a goalkeeper and he scores. No. <laughs> and no. so after the game, some guy was just ticked at him. And, uh, you know, it's amazing that adults would do this. You know, again, sports brings out the best and the worst in people. So this guy comes up to AJ. He's probably eight years old at the time. And he goes, you're not black. You're not white. What are you? No. And AJ goes to him. He goes, I'm the best of both worlds. He goes, I'm Irish and I'm American. I'm black. I'm white. He says, I got it all. Yeah. And Fantastic. we walked over and we saw this guy having this conversation. And it was just from a distance because I just remember this guy's jaw dropping and AJ kind of marching back to me. And I go, what was that about? And then he told me the story. Now, I went over to go beat the crap out of the guy, but <laughs> Beverly intervened. But of the course. point is, you know, we have with our relationship, with yeah. our kids and whatever else, that's the deal. It's you got the best of everything. Mm-hmm. And you can say, oh, that's Pollyanna and that's this and that. That's a choice. And it's a choice to be positive, And that's a choice that has some steel in the backbone. Right. 
right. and you come to adversity and you come to experience different things. And at the end of the day, our kids have been able to connect. Our son was just on four years playing football in SMU. Well, he's got a bunch of inner city black kids and some, you know, exclusive white kids. He can relate to everyone. Mm-hmm. And Brian mentioned earlier, David, look at the spirit of a person. Yeah. You know, that's what I looked at in him. You yeah. know, I saw his humor. I saw his desire to achieve. I saw his desire to be a great man. Mm-hmm. And that's what attracted me to him. And so, you know, for all those listening to this, it's that that's got to be paramount, you know, it's in what obvious, they're looking for. Very obvious by both of you guys. I know you're a long time, 26 years, correct? 26 years married? Mm-hmm. Yes. You guys are definitely the happiest couple I know. <laughs> How is that? How have you guys made it work so well? Great question, David. <laughs> <laughs> and the easiest answer is that it may not have always been happy, a happy mm-hmm. time. It's been a good time and we've been very committed to one another and ultimately to our faith that has kept us together. So we've had challenges, you know, along the way. But I would say the thing that has helped us more to stay on track and get back on track when we've gotten off track, when those days aren't happy, when there's cloudy days, is that truly at the beginning of our marriage, we entered into our marriage with some type of a framework, Mm -hmm. some kind of a blueprint of what we wanted our marriage to look like. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, they love first and then they consider that person that they marry. And I think it should be reversed. You should consider who you're marrying Mm -hmm. and that love will grow from that if it is meant to be. So we had a lot of conversations prior to marriage. We went through marriage counseling also Mm -hmm. as far as what's important to us our faith first and foremost, our families, a very integral part of our lives. We wanted to be connected with my in-laws, his in-laws, mm-hmm. also the direction for having children. You know, we hear a lot of people who get into marriage and they didn't even know their husband or their wife right. did not want to have children. Right, right. There's little things also. We discussed everything up front. I mean, we yeah. had as much as, as we could. As much we, as we could, we tried right. to do that because we knew how yeah. valuable that would be because it's everything. You know, we developed our mission statement for our relationship, our mission statement for our family. Here's the things we're hoping for with our kids, with our life. Here's Mm -hmm. what we stand for. Here's what we stand against. Mm -hmm. Nice. And we'd constantly come back and revisit that all the time. You know, we've been fortunate. You have two self-centered human beings get together. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, two angels didn't get married yeah, right, here. Yeah, right. Okay, with two <laughs> imperfect human beings are sure. married here. Yeah. I don't believe it. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, and it took me 12 years to get the basic training down, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but, you know, there's just basic things, and you go through it. And at the end of the day, it's all about dying to self. At the end of the day, hmm. to me, once the penny dropped for me, that my whole life was the service of her and the service of my kids. Once I surrendered to that, and that's why a lot of people don't surrender to that. They're constantly fighting. Well, what about my life? Well, what about I, what I'm interested in? What about this and what that? Mm-hmm. If you give your life away, you get it back in more. I've given my life away, and she's given her life away to me. Mm. And we've given our lives away. And when you give it away, it comes back. It's a multiplication. I mean, I'm bat crazy about this girl. I'm married to her 26 years. You know, if she wasn't so fast, we'd have had 12 kids. I mean, these Olympians, they're hard to catch, for goodness sakes. But, Can't uh, control him, Beverly. Not a chance. He's off the reservation. He's always. But um, we laugh all the time. I'm crazy about her now than I was mm. when we were first dating. That's awesome. But I didn't realize that I had to give my life to get my life back. Right. And that's what I think 
in the me culture when you have magazines with self, when selfies are the number one photograph, and it's this, and what am I getting out of this? And what am I get? Like, everything's a transaction. Like, it's a vending machine. Mm. I'm putting this in, but I want this back out. And once you come from that place, you're going to keep lists. You're going to keep records. I did this for you, or you mm-hmm. did this against me. You'll keep records of wrong. You'll keep accounts of what you've done and what you haven't done. And it's a transaction. It's right. an accounting exercise. Of course. So I think the big thing is we are totally committed to the service of one another. You know, you can dive in anytime you want, babe. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's another thing that we learned along the way, and this took a bit, which was we're wired totally differently, mm. completely differently, as you can imagine. We're Absolutely. not just black and white. I mean, we are chalk and cheese. So mm-hmm. many diversities. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I am very fastidious about the details. She... Not so much. I love um, life. Yes, she I loves life. life. That's her yes. response, right? Okay. He call takes the, care of the details. Call he the does. counselor. He so does. She's able to think big picture, and I sometimes get caught in the moment. She's able to handle 42 balls in the air. I tend to get overwhelmed by that stuff. So you go back and forth. And so along the way, you have expectations. Mm. Oh, by the way, my mother found her identity in... When my mother was feeding you breakfast, she was talking about lunch. When she was feeding you lunch, she was already cooking dinner. Mm. And it was like, and her favorite thing to do was to cook a meal. When I met Beverly, it was caramel popcorn was the number one dish on the menu, you know? Buttered popcorn. Oh, buttered wow. popcorn. Come on. Yes. And so the point is, right. so, but I had an expectation of, you know, this is the way it's supposed to be. Well, you know, you go through that stuff. And then you realize, hang on a second here. Like that stuff doesn't matter at all. Like mm. those kinds of expectations are foolish. In the grand scheme of our relationship and the value of what's to be there, it's like stupid. Right. Now, here's the thing. As she dies to self, she goes, okay, you know, this is what a love language is for you. Here's what I'll be and so on and so forth. But I think for me, the big thing is where we've had our major breakthroughs in our relationship is to never question one another's motives. When somebody does something that irks you, on either side, we know, okay, that's maybe a communication style. They might be under the gun a little bit. They might be moving too fast. They might be preoccupied. They might have this. They have that. But we never question each other's motives. Nice. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a big thing to get to in relationships. Mm. Yeah. I think also to piggyback on that, Brian, is that we try our best to understand each other as opposed to be understood. Mm-hmm. Because I know when I hear you and I try to mirror what you're saying or what you're speaking to me or trying to express to me to make sure I understand it as opposed to reacting to um, what you're saying, mm-hmm. you know. And I know we've done that and talk about problems or rocky days. Yeah. It usually occurs when we don't try to understand the other person or see where they're coming from or what happened that right. day right. and things like that. And our kids, and this correlates to that because with our children, just an illustration for everyone to try and understand when I'm teaching them, I gave them this illustration that if you're outside playing baseball and you're playing catch and there's two of you playing catch, you've got to have both of you there to keep this game going on. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, for example, I say, okay, now, AJ, walk away. Okay, so Alex is left there with a ball in his hand, nothing to do, mm-hmm. no one to play with. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's the same in a relationship. The person who actually is the initiator does not have the strength in that relationship. Okay, the power doesn't come from that. It comes from the responder 
of whatever is coming to them. Right. Okay. Because you have the option as that person receiving, I have the option receiving whatever Brian's saying to me Mm -hmm. to continue in that or let it go or turn away or respond in a gentle way. So just because he may be upset or he's going through a lot, I still have an option and a choice Mm -hmm. on how I respond to him. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So as I do that, it provides opportunity to try to understand what's going on in the big picture here, as opposed to reacting and ranting and mm-hmm. being mad and being angry, because that's the typical way. Mm-hmm. That's the yeah. easy way right. to live life. It's hard. It takes courage. It takes patience, lots of patience. But we desire that because we really want to have a good marriage. We right. really want to have a a happy marriage, and we want to be great examples for our children. And, and a lot mm-hmm. of guys will fall into what I fell into, which is you want to be the knight in shining armor. So, you know, I come home, it's been an intense day, yada, yada, and Beverly wants to talk about a problem. And she might be very passionate and, or frustrated, and, you know, she's ready to string the kids up or whatever else, or string <laughs> me up. And it took me a lot of years to feel like, okay, she's actually not asking me for a solution because I would, well, let's do this. And that's, okay, well, let's, all right, right now, let's do that. Okay, let me line them up and shoot them for you, you know. And uh, So helpful. So the point is, it was never that. And, and again, a lot of ladies will nod their head here and they go, she just wanted me to listen. Mm-hmm. She wasn't looking for a solution. Right. She just needed me to listen to the problem. That's a very, very classic, certainly a male-female thing, but it, it also flips the other way. Sometimes we're not looking for a solution. Sometimes they're not yeah. looking for an answer. And so I think at the end of the day is, you know, there's a great phrase that says intimacy. It's into me, you see. Hmm. And I think at the end of the day, there's just a real powerful dynamic of knowing and being known by another person. Hmm. And with that, then comes the joy. Like the stuff that cracks us up the most today in our life today is the stuff that used to tick us off. And I think of so many couples that don't persevere and don't push through that stuff. Right. Yeah that get into the list making, that get frustrated. Maybe only one person's serving and the other person isn't serving yet. But it's as you push through these things, on the other side really is the promised land. And the very things that used to drive me nuts, well, like I've told the story in the past. I'm traveling all the time. Now think about it. Think about the kind of person I'm married to that she can keep the household going. She's got the kids. We're homeschooling six kids. And I'm traveling all over kingdom come doing my seminars. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to keep that all going and, you know, when I come home and she just didn't, you know, well, let me tell you what happened while you were off gallivanting around the world. And, you know, and she knew I was working. We were unified as a team. This is what we're here to do, but still hard. So I get the text one time, hey, Brian, can you pick up Island Brothers for chicken tonight? And I text back, that's going to be hard. I'm in Toronto. <laughs> By the way, I've been here for two days. Now... You know, because she misplaces. I'm sorry, Beverly. She misplaces little things all the time. You know, the little Irishman here or there or whatever. Very busy. So the point is, that stuff used to drive me bizarre. Yes. How is it possible? She does, I'm out here working my butt off. I'm up here. It's freezing cold. The audience. I just got swine flu from shaking hands with some part of the audience. You know, I'm out here busting my hump. She's sitting at home watching Oprah and eating ice cream. For God's sake, the bottom line. That's where you go. Mm. But that's a that's a story. That's made on top of a judgment, mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden, like the air raid siren, wah, wah, wah. right? And that, and we rotisserize on these things in our mind. What have I done? Is any of that true? Not a single word of that is true. Mm-hmm. Not one part of that story is true. Mm-hmm. What's the truth of the matter? She's up to her eyeballs. 
the inmates are running the asylum. She's like General Custer. We got the six kids. I've got her surrounded, you know, and they're Geronimo. <laughs> she's doing this. She's doing that. She's doing it. Yeah. And I've been gone. Yo, by the way, I was gone the week before. It's easy to lose track of time. Mm. Yada, yada. So here's what I get. So now today, that type of deal comes up. It's a hilarious thing to me. And I'll call her up and we'll have a hilarious laugh about it because we push through to the other side. Right. You push through to the other side and there's no malice. There's no guile. And the truth of the matter is I think truly that most human beings in this world want to love and be loved. Mm -hmm. But we make it very difficult to do so. Mm -hmm. And what we often have are these straw men that we put up expectations or these images we have or oh I have my freedom I have my own life I have this I won't be able to do this anymore I won't be able to do it you know there's part of that that's true Mm. when I first married Beverly I was a one handicap in golf I was a really good golfer well I pretty soon realized when we started having kids and all the demands and all their schedules and whatever else I didn't get to play golf very often Mm. now I would go and hang out with these old golfing buddies of mine that had two or three kids who were golfing every Saturday and Sunday and then going into the beer garden afterwards and whatever else and I go Hey, guys, how are things at home? Mm. Because something's got to give, and it's a season. Now, here's the thing. You give that away, and you go, well, I'm not ready to do that. I'm not willing to do that. Here's my life today. I gave that away in 1994, and I went from being a dedicated golfer. This was my passion. Our family sport It's what we played in Ireland. It's, right. it's connected to it, all that stuff. So I gave it away to a guy who played two or three times a year. Not a, nearly as good a golfer anymore. Don't have all the tools. Well, guess what happens? As I've given that away, unbeknownst, the total blessing, 20-some years later, my wife is watching golf one day and said, I want to play golf. <laughs> nice. So now Bev's taken up the game in the last 18 months. I have never in my life enjoyed playing golf like I do now. Of course. And my partner's kind of hot, which is really nice. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, but the point is, Thank you. It, you give it away... And it comes back and more mm. and more. Uh, here's the thing. I would rather play with my beautiful bride nine holes of golf than hanging out with the sweaty beard dudes on a Saturday afternoon that the conversation is always not the most edifying in the world. Yeah, when you put it like that. Right? <laughs> so that's the big thing of you yeah. give it away and then it comes back and it comes back and more. You have to believe that. You have to right. believe that that's possible. And you have to believe that, David, because what happens is when you don't believe that and you don't see that happening in the future, you start looking at the negative mm-hmm. and you start picking out faults and, as opposed to looking at strengths of and one another. And go back to the list that you guys talk about and you start qualifying what they've done and what they haven't done yes, for you. Yes, and, and so keeping yeah. lists. You haven't done this. Mm-hmm. And, and guess what? In a lot of marriages and maybe even at times in our marriages, you know, things were bad because it's really easy to drift. Of course. You know, yeah, he's yeah. got his business. I've got the schooling. I've got the home. And so all of our activities and engagements are separated, mm-hmm. you know, and he's doing his thing and I'm doing my thing. And again, what brought us back was looking at our blueprint you know, having an objective guide, you know, to say, this is who we want to be. This is what kind of marriage we want to have. This is a family we want to raise. But when you don't have that, that's why there are a lot of separations and divorces because people drift. It doesn't happen overnight. When Mm. someone says they're separating, it's not a one night thing. Mm -hmm. It could be weeks, years, months, Mm -hmm people have been married we've heard for 20 something years 30 and it happens it does happen and there are many various reasons of course we don't know all of those but i do know 
from some people that I have talked with and seen that it's because activities were disengaged Mm. and couples were not engaged with each other for years, months, weeks, Mm. you know, and it tore them apart. Now, what we've learned is that when we get off track like that, we've always talked about this and Brian teaches us, take a time out, you know, and time out is necessary. Sometimes it's necessary weekly. (laughs) We've talked about weekly meetings. Sometimes it's necessary halfway through the year, annually, things like that to make sure, regroup, make sure we're on the right page, that you're going where I'm going, I'm going where you're going. If we disagree, if things have changed, that we're reassessing those things. But it has to be, I'd say the biggest thing with our marriage is to be very intentional. Right. Intentional from the beginning, in the middle, and towards the end, you know? Well, and almost every year we've been married, we've taken away, and we at least go two or three days somewhere, and we do a timeout. Mm-hmm. Now, we'll have our regular get-togethers and so on and so forth, but we'll do a timeout. Now, I'm going to say this. Half of those weekends away, which we were looking forward to, this is going to be great, we'll go somewhere nice and go to dinner, and especially the busier you get, like the first day wasn't any fun at all. Mm-hmm. You know, there's sometimes tears and there's frustrations and, mm-hmm. you know, because all this, because we're saying, okay, how are things going? <laughs> <laughs> I got this and that and the other. And the next thing you know, it's like, wow. And you have to wrestle through that and you go through it. Okay. And then you start getting back on track and then you come out of it and you go, okay, this is still our goal. This is still what's important to us. And away we go. And it's like, the thing is, if you want to live a good life, it takes work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? It's hard work. It is hard work. It's great work. Mm-hmm. And some people, here's the thing. They want to have all the bannies of it, but they don't want to do the work of it. And there's people like that with their businesses. There's people like that with their life. There's people like that with their health. And who knows? Maybe we all have that tendency as people. Mm. But if this is something that's real important to you, I think you got to value it. And for us, we take little timeouts. When we were first married, we certainly weren't doing the finances. We didn't have a clue. Mm. We met every week. That wasn't always fun to go yeah. through that because how she viewed money and how I viewed money were totally different things. I'm sure. And getting on the same page with that and just all the different dynamics. You have a girl from Sumter, South Carolina, raised in the Air Force, and you have a, a lad from the south side of Dublin who's a self-employed person. You know, it's like there's a lot to get to a point where it's not, oh, this is how we used to do it and that's mm-hmm. how you used to do it, that this is how we do it. Mm-hmm. And it takes a while to figure out what we do. Mm-hmm. And oh, by the way, we, we might not have the best ideas. Like her parents and my parents, we love our parents, we have a great relationship with them, but, you know, I wouldn't go to either one of them for a financial class. Not mm-hmm. that they're doing bad, or but all of a sudden you take what they tell you as gospel. Mm-hmm. And so now it's like, oh, no, I have my gospel and she has her gospel and now we're going we're gonna to butt heads over it. Right, right. So you do the small meetings to get on the same page. You know, how are we doing on our goals? How are we doing here? And, and that's sometimes good and sometimes, you know, a struggle. But then the major timeout every year was always very beneficial. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now we do it and it's more of, hey, casting the vision, where do we want to go? Nice. And you do something like this for 26 years, you know, we're on the same page. Yeah. We're on the same page. And even with that, you know, there's little drifts that come along. You know, I get opportunities here. There's things that come up at home. The kids are this. We are very optimistic again. with our yeah. schedules. Oh, yes. We are very optimistic <laughs> yes. of what we yes. think we can get accomplished right. and how many sports we can do and right. how many activities we can be involved in and how many places we can fly to. And we forget to communicate and we forget to let right. each other know what's yep. going on. Yep. And we make mistakes. And we've made mistakes all along in our marriage. Yep. We failed in our marriage at certain things, yeah. you know. 
And with that said, though, I think as we failed, we've struggled to get back on track. And I'd say from a wife's perspective, because I know there's a lot of wives out there listening to this, is that the biggest thing when a husband struggles or when a husband is challenged or he's failed at something, as I know many of you know that Brian, you know, with some of his business adventures or ventures has struggled at times that the biggest thing that I was able to do for him was to have unwavering support, Mm -hmm. no matter the result, no matter what happens, because what happens is men are so designed and women, we are all designed to succeed, I believe. And a lot of times our self-worth is mixed up with our Net worth. Net worth, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's confusion there. So if anyone in business has a failure, their self-esteem goes downhill too. And the last thing they need is to be put down or be told what a horrible decision or, you know, how bad you are. The biggest thing that you can do, and again, we go back to choice and being intentional and what is the bigger picture here. You know, I think I get this from my global aspect also, is that the biggest thing is um, my actions. How are my actions going to affect my husband? Right. Or how are my actions going to affect well, my you know, children? We're married. I was 23 when we got married. We were millionaires by the time I was 26. Gosh. We were broke by the time we were 28. And I never forget it. You know, I've had a lot of business success. You know, we've owned over 40 businesses and had one real failure. So pretty good average. But mm. that failure, man, it rocked my world. And it shook me to the core. What it took more than our money was it took my confidence. I, I would imagine. And the thing I will say, and I'll encourage a lot of people in this, is my bride during that time never... By the way, it was a business venture we had discussed. She felt strongly that we shouldn't do it. Not from the analysis standpoint, but just from her gut. And I didn't, as a young married man, I didn't realize that that gut was worth more than a, <laughs> a financial analysis or research. She didn't understand the entire deal, but she just had a gut feeling about it. Mm. I ignored that gut feel, and I went with my head. And we got in with some bad dudes, and um, they had bad intentions, and we got hammered. Mm. Now, very easy. Man, we were on top of the world, and now we're not on top of the world, and we got these young babies, and yada, yada, yada. That never happened. And she never threw me under the bus. She never brought it up. She's just like, okay. This happened. What do we have to do moving forward? Let's just move forward. And here's the wild thing about it is it almost made me more manic. There was a time I'm like, I wish she would just like go off on me. You know, it would be so much easier because she was so supportive. It made me want to do it for her more. Right. It made me want to serve her more. It made me never want to put her in that spot again. And the funny thing is the thing that so many people desire is what happened was her sense of security went out the window in regards to that economics. When that happened and her support was so voracious to me, she gave it away. It made me still a voracious entrepreneur. But for the past 24 years since that, I have been not only a voracious entrepreneur who's grown and built a fortune, but I've built tremendous safeguards in place because I never want to put her in that spot again. See, I'm really not that uncomfortable with that kind of spot. But she was. And because I never want to do that to her again, I became very focused on stability, very focused on... And again, it's that whole concept. You give it away, you get it back. So rather than her short-term need, she had an axe to grunt. She had reason to be ticked off. She said, I don't think we should do this. I did it. 
and we had consequences, hmm. big time consequences. Yeah, that affected us. We had to sell real estate and other properties we owned. We had to move out of the house we were in. It was tough, but it was all focused on okay, we're in this together. Let's move forward. And never ever did I feel the the sense of you know you screwed up and you messed up our lives. And you know it's worked out pretty good, hasn't it? It has. Uh, you doing thank okay, you. huh? Yeah, I appreciate it. You're doing all right it. now, thank babe, you. huh? Yeah, <laughs> she's well taken care of. <laughs> You two have a pretty public life for a long time, right? For a couple of decades, you've been in the public eye. Mm-hmm. So I know this is a little personal, but I'm sure people would want to know. I mean, have you guys hit a rocky patch ever? Yeah, I mean, our patches are pretty short. <laughs> you know, we've never really, and I know some people can't relate to this, we've never really had the screaming arguments mm-hmm. and the throwing the shoes and whatever else. And I know some people that, that they have, and they've had a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes people can't relate to it. I think one of the dynamics is we made a commitment to never go to bed angry. And I think for the most part, we've kept that. Mm. I think sometimes you need, okay, we need a little time out here, whatever else. But, you know, it's kind of like we have a little formula. Say how you feel. Ask for what you want. Trust God for the rest. That's kind of how we do it. And say how you feel is not, right. you know, it's say how you feel in a way that, you know, we're working towards something here. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you do need to get something off your chest. You just got to say it in a way that's gracious. Yeah. You know, you just got to say it in a way that, okay, you're the person I love most in this world, so how about I'm conscious about how I say this, yeah. as opposed to throw up all over you. So we've had our disagreements, we've had our different, we've got two people that, you know, are very busy, that have a lot going on, that have a big family and a lot of other stuff beyond that, businesses, charities, ministries, sports programs, we had a school at one time, I mean, we've had a lot of things, and it's easy to get pulled, but I think at the end of the day we've always come to that place of seeking resolution Mm. and um, work through it. Yeah, and I agree with that, Brian. I think a lot of our rocky times came from pride Mm. and selfishness and wanting things my way and not considering one another's interest as more important. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to get to that point when you really think you're right Mm -hmm. with where you want to go or what we should be doing in a certain situation. So to resolve that is what Brian just mentioned, is that it really takes being humble at times to really consider the other person, again, mentioning trying to understand the other person. Mm. And it's work. It doesn't come easy because we really want to do it our way. You know, we used to tell our kids, you know, all the time they want what they want, when they want it, and And how they want it. it. You know, we see it so easily in them, but Mm. if we had the mirror on us, it's the same way. And that's where the conflicts come from, wanting what you want. That's great. You know, and so we've had to work through that. And a lot of it truly is forgiveness and saying, I'm sorry. And we rarely hear that these days, Mm. even in marriages, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm sorry. I know with our kids i don't know how many times i've said i am so sorry you know (laughs) i'm with them every day and i'm like i hope i'm not ruining you but i really am sorry right now and that's been many a days and it's actually harder to say it to brian because there is so much pride you know sometimes with them it's easy with him a lot of times it's hard because i really think i'm right sometimes (laughs) And I rarely, learned very rarely. Very you, you rarely. probably were. I, no, I probably wasn't. <laughs> but when it does happen, we just have to 
really it may not happen right away sure you know and the gap has gotten shorter and shorter in between the times of committing that act or something like that and the toughest part i'll tell you is actually when i am on a right path you know or he's on the right path and i act up or something like that for him to be patient with me mm-hmm. you know or for me to go with what he's saying right you know it's easy to say no. It's easy to fight. That's the easiest thing in the world, you know. But to have courage and to have patience, those character qualities that bring healing, you know, that's tough. Mm-hmm. And those are the, where the rocky. I think the two things I would throw to that mm-hmm. is, like when Bev's talking about forgiveness, forgiveness is not saying you're sorry. Mm. You know, there's remorse and there's repentance. Those two things are not the same thing. A political analogy, Bill Clinton was sorry he got caught, but he didn't repent from it because he keeps doing the same thing, okay? As a very public example. I'm sorry can end a fight. I'm sorry can be genuine or not genuine. Repentance is, I'm going to try my best not to do that again. Mm. I'm going to try my best. And again, even talking about the Bill Clintons of the world, that could be a judgmental statement. You follow me? In our marriage, here's what it means. I'm sorry from the heart that we're in this spot. I don't want to be in this spot. I'm sorry if this made you feel a certain way. I'm sorry if I communicated a certain way. And the list gets torn up that minute. Hmm. We're married 26 years. We have no lists. I don't have a Beverly Buffini list that I can bring out. Now, it doesn't mean I didn't always have a list Hmm. because I have a great memory. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he does. But I had to intentionally make sure that I forgot the list and that every day is a new day. Every day is a new day that, okay, what happened here, even though it looks like a replay of what happened before, may or may not be the case. Mm. So you come at the problem not with, here's what you did in 1994, Mm -hmm. and now here you are doing it again. Mm -hmm. And I hear, I know a lot of people, you know, we had an event here recently, and we stood in line for six hours talking to couples. And it's almost always three things number one they keep a list Mm. number two they're stuck in the past and sometimes it's their own family of origin the wounds they've experienced Mm. and the third thing is you got a desire to want to be happy you actually got to desire it Mm. you know there's a lot of drama your girlfriends will be able to talk to you and your people will do this for you if you're in a church they'll pray for you and because you get to be the center of the drama Mm. and there's some people are more committed to the drama and having the chaos and having that than they are having the joy That brings up such a great point, Brian. One thing that I think has been very beneficial in our marriage is that we've maintained our intimate communication. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times people go outside of their marriage to find that support and find those confidences that should be held within the marriage. Mm -hmm. And what that does is it erodes the confidence that you have in one another. And it's hard because you may have been brought up in that environment where you had these girlfriends or these guy friends, you know, that they're just your buddies and they know everything about you. But I think when you're married, that is just a private institution Mm -hmm. amongst you that you need to treasure and value. And that keeps that trust and that support there where you don't have to go outside to find those things to make you happy. That's great. You know, so it's really important. And it's easier. 
It's easier to yeah. talk to a buddy. Mm-hmm. And by the yeah. way, when you talk to your buddy, what do you want him to do? Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. She is. I agree. Uh, yeah, she should yeah. have. She yeah. shouldn't be calling you in Toronto. And what is that about? And, <laughs> you know, asking you for chicken. You're. You get your buddy. So guess mm. what? You get to deepen the needle on your own record. Here's the thing. Yeah. All you get's a record. Yeah. You don't get the joy. You don't get the the happiness. You don't get the splendor of what's out there in a relationship. Human beings do better together. Mm. The most difficult thing in life is relationships. It's harder to work through our stuff with ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's easy to go take it to the streets. Mm-hmm. But if you want trust and you want value and you really want to do it, it doesn't mean you can't talk to your friends about your problems. It doesn't mean sometimes there's not room to go see a counselor. Mm. Right. It, exactly. it, that's not the, what we're saying no. here. But what we are saying is that there's a whole bunch of stuff that's never gone anywhere outside of our own home or our own bedroom or our own relationship because it's sacred to us. Right. It's the trust mm-hmm. and you know the responsibility. And I'm a talker. I need to talk things out. Mm. And she's more of a thinker. So I'm a talker and she's a thinker. And, I, you know, that was difficult to go through. Yes. And I'm playing tennis. I hit the ball over and said, where's the ball? <laughs> hold on a second here. And she's like, yeah, I'll get back to you in three weeks. I'm like, hold on. Let I me go. think about that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice. So it is harder and it is more difficult. But at the end of the day, it's, again, dying to self yeah. and realizing that together we're better. Uh, one and one together make 11 and be so committed to that. Mm-hmm. And if you work through it, and sometimes, here's the thing, we didn't always grow at the same pace, in the same way, at the same time. Right. There's times, there's no question in our relationship where one person was doing this better than another, or mm. one person was more on the right path than the other. No question about it. You know, you got human beings mm-hmm. trying to find a way to, to find rhythm together. And the key word there is patience, mm-hmm. to be patient with one another. It may take a week, it may take a month, it may take six months, it may take several years mm-hmm. for certain things. I mean, I won't ever change Brian, mm. you know. He will never change me. It's not up to us mm-hmm. to change one another. We can, of course, influence one another, impact each other's lives, and do those things to help each other grow to be better people. But I cannot change him. And maybe at the begin, just maybe at the beginning of our marriage, I maybe attempted to do something mm. like that. By I don't books remember. In my list is gone. <laughs> I don't have a list, so it's gone, my darling. <laughs> but anyways, it didn't work. That's all I've got to say. <laughs> nice. It didn't work, and it will never work no. yeah. to try to change another person. So, and, and, and here's the thing. Yeah. What are you trying to change him into? Yeah. Your own narcissistic view of what you want. Yes. It's a completely selfish act. I want to, I know I like you, but here's how I want to change you Uh into something that's acceptable to me. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, here's why. There might be people sitting and listening to this thing and go, man, I am never getting into a relationship. This is the the reason why. And you know what? There's some folks that that might make that determination. Consider first. But the dynamic is, it's a good life. It is. And it's it's a good life. I got something special. I know that. We have too. something special, mm-hmm. and it's fabulous. Mm-hmm. And we're you know we're more excited about the next twenty six than focusing on where we've been the last twenty six. Out on the golf course. Yes. Amen, baby. Come <laughs> on, let me go. <laughs> I'm curious, guys. Would you have done anything differently? Oh, I probably would have spent more time in the kitchen with my mom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> So I could make better meals for yeah. my family, nice. for sure. I wish I'd have gotten it quicker, that's all. I mean, I wouldn't change anything, but I, I wish I'd have gotten it quicker, which is when I say got it, the whole dynamic of getting rid of the list, the whole right. dynamic of 
uh, truly forgiven. The whole dynamic of finding the joy in it. You know, getting to that place where I realize, man, her motives are pure. Mm. Once I got to that place, my whole life changed. And we had a good marriage before, but it became a great marriage after we got to that place. So if I had my druthers, I'd have liked to have gotten to that place sooner, but it is what it is, and it's been a great ride, and it's, it's only gotten better. Nice. What's a piece of advice that you'd give to couples starting out? All right, I'll go. She's analytical, so I'll go first. <laughs> so I did look up this, actually. I did look up this because I, I knew we had talked about this in a meeting, and you had mentioned this to me before. So I looked this up, and it is the number one used phrase or scripture verse in weddings in America is from 1 Corinthians 13. And everybody's aware of it, and everybody who goes to a wedding hears it, and they go, yeah, here we go. And it goes, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. And there is not a person listening to this podcast who hasn't heard that somewhere. Mm. Here's my advice. Do that. Mm. So many people, they, they do a great job of preparing for the wedding and a lousy job preparing for the marriage. Mm-hmm. And people are all freaked out about the muffins and the flowers and the napkins and, oh, my God, the DJ has got to do this and we want the rose petals on the right side and we have the wedding coordinator who's a Nazi. And, you know, da, da, da. and they spend all their time and all their money on this huge big deal for this wedding and they forget about the marriage. And they read this out and sometimes they'll read this to one another and everybody oh, it's so cute. And I was like, here's the thing. This is the blueprint. Mm. This is how you build a great relationship. Love is patient. Now, just stop right there. Just stop right there. I mean, to be honest with you, if you just did that, Mm -hmm. you wouldn't need much more. Mm -hmm. If you were just patient. Oh, love is kind. That's the person you love most in the world. Sometimes what happens is, because sometimes we don't have a great exhibition of self-love, and we're not very kind to ourselves, then it's very easy not to be kind to the person who's next in line. Mm. I used to use the analogy of a water bottle. If someone has 10% of the water in the bottle, and this is how much you love yourself, you can love someone with your whole heart, but you're only loving them 10%. Mm. So love is patient. So you're patient with yourself? You've got to be patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast, which is there's a lot of boasting goes on in relationships. I certainly, she is not a boaster, I am. I just found a business model for it called promotion. Okay. <laughs> But I had to stop winding myself up in what I had done for the family or what I did here, the great, you know, chest thump and stuff. Mm. It is not arrogant or rude. Arrogant talks about this whole thing we talked about with pride. Mm-hmm. And rude. Have you ever heard yourself talking to the people you love the most sometimes? Yeah. We do it with the kids. Mm. We go, oh, 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 hold on a second here. See that girl you just talked to right there? That girl's going to be in your life the rest of your life. You know that buddy of yours that you're Snapchatting 24 hours a day and this and any other? That person may not be around Mm. six months from now. So how about you would at least, at the very least, extend the kind of courtesy and respect and friendship to do to your buddies as to the person who's going to be in your life your whole life. Mm. You know, it doesn't insist on its own way. These are the words we read out. It doesn't insist on its own way. How many weddings are people insisting on their own way just in the bloody wedding? Mm. So it's not irritable or resentful. 
It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, which is, hey, see, told you so. You screwed up our business, see? And here's the thing, and I told you not to do it, and you could have done it, and we were millionaires, and now we're not, you dumb little Irishman, you're going to be back painting houses again, whatever. So love bears all things, believes all things. We always believe the best in one another. Hopes all things. Endures all things. We've had a lot of life happen to us. Hmm. Okay? We've had houses burned down fires i have surgeries we have death in our family mm-hmm. we've had family difficulties in our families of origin we've endured recessions together when buffini and company entered 2007 by a factor of 10 we were the largest coaching company in the real estate space and the entire worldwide recession was centered on real estate so when we're having to sell off assets and write a million dollar personal check every month to keep the company open mm-hmm. you better be on the same page never once did my wife question why because bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Mm. This is read out at almost every wedding in America. Mm. I think it's great. But I think it's much better to incorporate it into every hour of every day. be a great way to start your day. That's nice. And not just read it on your wedding day. Read it every morning. Mm-hmm. I think, Brian, that really sums it all up, what it truly is all about. If I just add just three tips probably for those who are out there who may be really struggling, separated, whatever situation they're in, how do you get it back on track? Mm-hmm. You know, when things are awry or um, there's lots of problems. And there's this quote I'd like to share by Samuel Taylor Coolridge. And it says, the happiness of life is made up of minute fractions, the little soon forgotten charities of a kiss or a smile, a kind look or a heartfelt compliment. It's the little things that make all the difference in the world. And two things that I would like to um, leave people with also to help restore, to bring reconciliation is a verse that I use all the time is, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh answer stirs up anger. Hmm. So it's how we communicate to one another that really carries the day, Mm -hmm. no matter what the situation. And finally, I was told this by my mom, and she would always say, Bev, this too shall pass. Mm -hmm. So no matter what state you're in, how bad it is, Mm -hmm. there's always hope as long as we're here. And this too shall pass. This stage shall pass. Mm -hmm. I had a bunch more questions, but honestly, you guys covered (laughs) a lot of ground. I mean, that's awesome stuff. Really. This podcast is specifically about love and marriage. I mean, that's what you guys were going to cover today. But I think there's a big audience that are looking forward to this and hearing a bit more about you guys. So I have a couple of questions that aren't specifically about love and marriage, just a little bit more about you two. So we'll do a couple of rapid-fire questions. I don't know who's going to take this answer. But let's say, number one, I'd love to know, what's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? I think what I just said to you has helped me out so much. This too shall pass. No matter what circumstance I'm in, no matter how bad it gets, even if it's great, remember, it won't last Mm. for forever. So this shall pass. So that helps me look to the future as opposed to the immediate situation and to have hope and to be encouraged every stage and every day in my life, Mm. really. What about you, Brian? I think... uh, be the picture here of Harry Buffini and passed on by George Buffini just can you put your name to that and it was in a business context of how to serve and how to work 
but I apply that to everything. Can I put my name to that? Can I put my name to that last interaction I just had with my wife, you know? Mm. As a man of faith, can I put God's name to it? So can I put my name to it is a big principle, and that principle is a guiding light. You know, at Buffini Company, we come out with innovations and whatever else. If we can't put our name to it, you know, we'll let the customer, hey, I'd rather disappoint you now than let you down mm. six months from now. So guess what? This is going to come out two months later than promised because I can't put my name to it. I've seen you make that hard decision mm-hmm. because it affects expectations yep. and deadlines and so on. Yep. What one talent or gift do you wish you had? One that you don't currently have? I would love to be able to sing. <laughs> yes. Wow. Nice. I really don't sing too well. Maybe in the shower, but that's about it. No. You know? Would heaven. you agree it with that? Yes. Yeah. Hey, there's a lot of black folk can sing and dance, and that she didn't it get those. skipped me. Went down to my kids. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. they can all sing and all dance. I don't know how that worked out. Yes. Skipped a generation. I wish I could play the banjo. I would love to play the banjo. There are two songs in my mind that I grew up with that I remember that I would love to learn how to play. It's a hard instrument to learn how to play, but nice. maybe in my latter years I'll, I'll get a chance to pick up the banjo. There's the Christmas Still present sword of Beverly. Oh, yeah. Still time, yes. <laughs> what book has been most instrumental in your life? Well, I would say the Bible. It's 66 books, and that's kind of an easy one. But I would say on a personal growth level, you know, it's funny because I'm the guy who developed these questions and I asked people, and I didn't have an answer for this myself, mm. which was kind of interesting. But Ogmandino was a huge influence for me, uh, the greatest salesman in the world. That book was huge for me. And an audio cassette series by Jim Rohn called uh, The Challenge to Succeed. Those two things really, really shaped me at a time when I, we had come out of that failure. And I read the book, and I listened to those cassettes hmm. till they broke. And I bought another set, and I listened to them. They broke. And then I put that stuff in place, and uh, the rest is history. That sounds say. like you. Mm-hmm. Certainly. Gosh, David, I, I just can't say. Uh, I can say one, the Bible, without mm-hmm. a shadow of a doubt. Outside of that, I've read so many <laughs> books. On <laughs> When we've moved house on two occasions, the movers gave us one bid, for our furniture and one bid for our books. <laughs> that's awesome. But I've read so many. Of course, on... All right, the pressure's off. Uh, that's, that's not a fair question. <laughs> Thank it's you. Wild. On marriage, on child training, everything. Um, mm. everything, personal growth. I've just read so many books. I've heard I just Brian can't. say you've finished the internet several times. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy reading. She yes. is a reader. How about this? Who's your favorite artist or what's your favorite song? Well, for me, it's uh, U2. Mm. Anything by U2. When I was in college, I would go in during my breaks to this pool hall where sometimes I was earning my dinner money by playing pool. I'm not much of a video game person, but there was a game called Pole Position. It was a driving game. And I would put on Pride by U2, you know, In the Name of Love. And I would put that on the jukebox. If there's any millennials, look it up on Google. And I would play that song over and over again, and I would play that. I think anything by U2 was good. My sister was their masseuse, so... It had a personal connection. I remember that game, by the way. I played the same game. There we go. We couldn't afford a Walkman, though. No, that's right. (laughs) I was without music. (laughs) David, you're getting to experience our differences right Mm. before your eyes. Uh He's very specific. With my music, I love Motown music. Nice. A lot of, of course, contemporary Christian music and songs I love and different artists there. Nice. So in episode two... We'll get the yeah, we'll get the song. Not be, he will be more specific. <laughs> yeah. That's in a couple of weeks from now. You'll get a library. <laughs> I think I know the answer to this question, but I'm still going to ask it. What movie do you guys watch over and over? 
I personally love The Sound of Music. Uh, wow. Love, love, love that movie. I really make sure she has some alone time and she's quiet <laughs> nice. during that. Very thoughtful of you. The hills are still alive after 26 years. I'm like, honey, they escape. The Germans don't get them. The nun wins. Well, now you ruined the movie for me. Yeah, sorry. But, of course, I like a lot of other movies. I like Ben-Hur. I like current and contemporary, the Batman movies, the Bourne movies. There's so many yeah, There's that no I like. connection between anything you like. I, there is no connection. And I puzzle. love, love military movies. I was, yeah. My father watched them when I was growing up, and I just love them. And I think we yeah. pass that on to our children. Yeah. Nice. No she likes particular happy, genre. She likes a happy ending. I will say that. Okay. It's got If it doesn't have a happy ending, inspirational. Nice. I love those. Yeah. So. Nice. <laughs> what about you, Brian? I am Irish. I like a good death at the end. <laughs> of course. Just to make us melancholy. <laughs> so you know, if you look at all my movies, they're like something really bad's going down. I love the struggle. I love the struggle. So Braveheart was obviously a great movie for me. Mm. Or Shawshank Redemption. Mm. I'd say Shawshank. I probably watch more than any other movie. And I think probably it inspires me as much as anything because I think there's a lot of people out there in different spots. And, you know, if you're willing to go through the tunnel, you can get out on the other side. Mm. And I think that's probably what inspires me to do the work I do and whatever else. But there's a, a say wantoneo waiting for everybody. And sometimes you got to dig through a tunnel of turds to get there, if you know what I mean. Nice. Mm. Oh, that's a nice point to leave it yeah, on right lovely, there. Yeah, lovely, isn't it? Very romantic. <laughs> I was going to say that you watch movies in a way that most people don't. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've seen you for 14 years. I've worked for you. I think people don't realize just the amount of insane preparation you do for events that, that you put on and you speak at. I've seen you watch a movie... <laughs> 50, 60 times, take it apart and then put it back together again. And it's it's quite something to watch. But um, it's a more interactive viewing that you yes. have with movies. I'll do that, especially if it can help somebody. Yeah, so right. Sometimes you do, you movies do is a currency of the day and you can reach a lot of people mm-hmm. with little movie clips. So Nice. Well, thanks to you both. This was fantastic, incredible stuff. I know it's going to bless a lot of people. And Brian, we've yet to sign off the Brian Buffini show without the Irish blessing and I'd hate to break the tradition so I gotta throw to you alright well I'll say it on behalf of me and my bride yes. so may the roads rise to meet you may the wind always be at your back may the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sunshine warm upon your face and until we meet again me and Bev and you may God hold you in the hollow of his hand <laughs> <laughs>